Hello and welcome to the Pokey TCG cast. This week again here with Alex and I enjoy pudding way too much. I pick up ingredients at the store to prepare meals for the week and of course as I go through the baking aisle I see instant pudding and put it in my basket. Why? Why do I like pudding so much? I don't know. This box made about six servings and I think I've eaten all today. It's way too much pudding. And I ate all of it. Boy, do I need to learn self-control. On another note, though, Salt Lake City Utah Regional Expanded Tournament was this past weekend. And it's actually the first tournament where there's a dip in Masters attendance from 2017. This past weekend, there was about 288 Masters. And that's actually down from a little over 300 where there was last year in 2017. And it's kind of a big change, especially since we've had a lot of tournaments this season that have had a huge uptick in attendance. And the fact that this expanded tournament was even sitting under 300 and the fact that it's lower than it was last year is really astounding. And I think that might be in part due to the expanded metagame right now where there's been a huge rise in the amount of Zoroark since, well, Dallas. And I think a lot of people have kind of written off Expanded as sort of an unhealthy format revolving around Zoroark. But honestly, looking at this tournament from this weekend, I'd say that it's getting a little bit better than it has been, where... Across 32 players, there was 13 different archetypes with only 6 Zoroark decks that made Day 2. Now, this is really astounding because if you remember my Costa Mesa video from several weeks back, there was a huge amount of Zoroark that was presented at that tournament. So the fact that a lot of decks are now kind of handily dealing with Zoroark is a really big deal. And it means that we're approaching a format where even though Zoroark is still very much the best deck in format, it has a lot of counters to it. And kind of approaching the state where we were at with Night March as the best deck in format, where it does provide a lot of help to players trying to figure out what deck to play for a regional as it's always a deck that they can fall back on knowing that it performs well but does have a fair amount of counters to it now from the looks of it zoric may be a little less safe as a deck but at the same time it still functions very consistently so i honestly kind of like those kinds of formats where you don't have to spend so much time trying to figure out new decks to try to break the format and do have an option that you can always fall back on. This week, I kind of want to go through a lot of the decks that were represented in day two and kind of go through how they function. And starting off with Zoroark, the eggs variant is definitely the most played and most successful variant. The gameplay is straightforward and was something that I went over in the Costa Mesa video. So the big thing that I really want to highlight is the fact that the winner of the Salt Lake City regionals was Sableye Garbodor. This was a deck that we used to see a fair amount in previous expanded formats and 
even a little bit of a resurgence when Guardians Rising came out. As the original Sableye Garbodor variant is very purely a mill deck, where it relies on Sableye from Dark Explorers to hunt for item cards in your discard pile and put them back in your hand, and having a Garbodor from Breakpoint being the latest print, although a lot of people are using a fairly early print, but it's a still essentially the same Garbodor with Garbotoxin, shutting off your opponent's abilities, which does a lot to prevent your opponent from setting up, for digging for cards, or just cycling through their deck. And so putting your opponent's game plan at a standstill with Garbodor does a pretty good job, and up until Zoroark was ri- started getting really big with the Dallas tournament, this was a pretty good archetype that, granted, had a high skill cap, as most mill decks really do, but it was something that could work really well, especially with cards like Life Do that ensured their opponent really couldn't get any prizes, as Life Do p- prevented your opponent from really getting prize cards from your Pokemon in play, and Sableye could still get back life due with Junk Hunt. Now, with Guardians Rising, though, this variant did take a bit of a turn, as it gave us Garbodor from Guardians Rising with Trasher Lanch, which actually gave this deck an alternative win condition, as expanded decks typically play a high number of item cards to really let them cycle through their deck grab cards that they need. And Garbodor from Guardians Rising, while being represented in this deck, also is another win condition in the Drampa Garbodor deck as well. And so it's a great game finisher and a way to really have a separate win condition if your opponent is able to really play around your mill strategy. Now, another deck that was represented in this day too was Sylveon, which plays Fairly similar to Sableye in the fact that it's a mill deck, but otherwise not too similar of a game plan. The big difference that Sylveon plays is the fact that the cards that you grab are always, almost always, out of your deck, meaning that you do have to worry a fair amount about resources, and that's why Sylveon utilizes Lusamine, because otherwise if you use Sylveon's attack too often to grab cards from your deck, you eventually start to deck yourself out, sometimes at a rate faster than your opponent is drawing cards. And so that's really the first big difference is that Sylveon doesn't necessarily have infinite resources in the same way that Sableye does, and has to be very mindful of what goes into your discard and whether you're going to be able to draw it out. Now, of course, that is the plan to always be able to draw your resources out of the discard pile, but you also have to keep in mind that you set those sorts of things up a couple of turns down the road, as you can only use one supporter card a turn. Also, kind of a key difference is the fact that you don't have ability lock on your side with Sylveon. You are really relying just on Sylveon's bulky 200 HP to help wall against whatever's coming up against you and using max potions to survive the onslaught. Now, the second place deck is Gardevoir, and an expanded Gardevoir can be fairly scary, 
I mean, even in standard format right now, Gardevoir is a little bit scary, and it's seen ebbs and flow in the amount of play it's seen, and in Expanded, it hasn't had a whole lot of time for people to set their sights on it, given that Zoroark has been the best deck in format for Expanded for a fair while. Now, with Gardevoir, it's a lot scarier in Expanded format because of all of the added consistency cards, and probably the scariest of them all is Teammates, which sort of prevents your opponent from taking early KOs on Pokemon you try to set up, as it then gives you a tool to look for the cards to actually set up, allowing to search for two any cards in your deck after your opponent's taken a KO. And there's also a couple of other setup cards, like Colrus, which is just huge amount of draw power, and Computer Search, which allows you to search for specific pieces to help execute your game plan. And so because of that, Gardevoir can be somewhat of a scary expanded deck. Now, it doesn't shoot for hitting huge numbers, as there isn't a whole lot of attackers in the current expanded metagame that rely off of a huge amount of energy but it still hits for some pretty decent damage and has the ability to really set the matchup against Drampa Garbodor in its favor. Being able to cycle items back into their deck from the discard pile, drastically reducing the amount of damage that Garbodor does to Gardevoir. And speaking of Drampa Garbodor, expanded format will heavily favor Drampa instead of Espeon for its traditional variant, one being that fighting doesn't have a huge place in the expanded metagame, although it's seen a little bit more play with more either Buzzwool Lycanroc or even now Lucario decks. But Jampa is favored as its main attacker, given that it can discard special energy, getting rid of Zoroark Double Colorless being the prime suspect, as well as some other special energy like strong energy for fighting decks, and certain blend energies for Garbodor's. Aside from that, though, being able to pull some good early damage from Berserk if you get set up in the right way is always a nice bonus, but that's not something to really rely on given that it takes essentially three turns to set up in this version of the deck as it plays Parallel City as its only stadium, looking to really disrupt the opponent early. And when you disrupt the opponent early, forcing them to dig for more resources or use items to gain back resources, it really allows Garbodor from Guardians Rising to clean up the game and using a really efficient one-price attacker. Now, the breakpoint Garbodor with Garbotoxin also helps a fair bit in this deck. As it's always nice to be able to play a deck that doesn't care a whole lot about abilities and being able to shut off any other deck's ability to use abilities. That was a lot of times that I said the word ability. But aside from that, being able to turn off abilities is always a nice effect, especially when your deck does not rely on them. Now, a deck that started rising up in popularity is the Lucario Octillery deck, which focuses pretty much entirely as using Lucario as an attacker. And... Really, any fighting variant is a strong deck in the expanded metagame, given that you have Karina as a card that allows you to search for a fighting Pokemon and an item card, as well as cards like Focus Sash also floating around. And honestly, with those 
two cards available, it does make fighting decks something to be reckoned with. And Lucario being an aggressive attacker that can be set up easily with Karina really makes it a, a kind of scary deck, given that it's very hard to be able to kill it in one hit with Focus Sash, on top of the fact that it can sometimes handily KO your Pokemon with just a strong energy. Well, granted, it does take a little bit more than a strong energy to get a one-hit KO on a number of things, but given that it's got some really aggressive damage that uses very little energy does make it a force to be reckoned with. Now, the other fighting deck that's seen a lot of play is Buzzwool Lycanroc, or sometimes even just Fighting Box Lycanroc, as it'll commonly play Landorus EX as well as Zygarde EX as additional fighting types. But really, the main attacker is Buzzwool, because Buzzwool is strong. And so the fact that this exists in Expanded 2 and has additional setup cards and additional tools given to fighting Pokemon that were pretty much all printed in Furious Fists really makes fighting Pokemon pretty strong in the expanded format. The fact that you also have Muscle Band and Wide Lens that you're able to give to Buzzwool really makes it hit hard, as Muscle Band just allows it to do a flat 20 damage to anybody that it's hitting, as opposed to the conditional 30 damage from Choice Band. And the fact that you've also got Wide Lens that allows you to hit weakness for Zerua's being set up or any other small basics with a weakness to fighting really allows Buzzle to make a dent in your opponent's board. The only thing I wonder, though, is whether certain tools from Forbidden Light makes this deck stronger, like Diancy or even Beast Energy. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think so, given that a lot of Buzzwell Lycanroc variants in Expanded don't even use Regirocks. And another astounding deck that somehow makes its way in the Expanded format is Greninja. And I think the big reason that Greninja even finds its way into the Expanded format is with the availability of Dive Ball being able to grab setup pieces very easily for very little cost. But I mean, otherwise, Greninja kind of functions the same as it does in standard format with a little extra consistency. On one hand, it does make sense. On the other hand, it's not too noteworthy. Don Fan. I'm not exactly sure why this is even a viable deck in Expanded, but I think it kind of follows in the same footsteps as Excelgore decks used to, where those decks had the ability to just throw out Excelgore and retreat back to, or quote-unquote retreat back to Wobbuffet's to block your opponent's ability. But Wobbuffet's ability lock is still pretty strong, so being able to retreat back into Wobbuffet every turn with Don Fan, I suppose, is a strong play. And having, again, fighting setup cards and fighting support like Strong Energy, Karina, Focus Sash, Muscle Band, Choice Band, Wide Lens. Well, not Wide Lens, but the rest of those cards are pretty applicable and helpful to Don Fan. So there is that, and the fact that it also has an attack for just one energy does make it fairly easy to set up. So on one hand, it does make sense. On the other hand, I still wonder how it made itself a viable deck in the expanded format, but to each their own. Glaceon is definitely seeing a few more 
pure Glaceon variants, as such shutting down Tapu Lele's and Zoroark is useful in and of itself. But special energy denial isn't always needed with Barbarical, especially given that we've got a few more fighting variants that actually play with regular fighting energy, and so Barbarical isn't able to shut off those at energy attachments and allows those fighting decks to get really aggressive. But it also shuts down Zoroark decks completely, which is why there was a Glaceon Barbarical deck that made day two, but the other two playing Glaceon were just pure Glaceon variants with a fair amount of disruption, but seemingly really only playing to use Glaceon's Frost Bullet. Just having a Glaceon, though, that's able to have a more reliable setup and being able to start with Eevee more times without having to worry about having Binnacles set up instead as your starting Pokemon does have its uses as well and does make it a little bit more consistent. Night March actually showed up in day two, so kind of fun to see the previous metagame defining deck show up still meh, several years later. But it's definitely not as strong as it used to be, where it could really thin out its deck and really dig for huge amount of damage for one-hit KOs on the first turn attacking. But sadly, it can't do that, as there's a lot of techs that are available, such as Oricorio and Karen, and the fact that Pokemon are just getting larger and larger, where... 190, 200 HP, 210 HP are the benchmarks that it has to hit, where it's not really the damage output that it's able to do anymore. But still, the fact that it's good enough to survive two hate cards in a shifted metagame and still make day two really show how powerful this deck was to begin with and why it was so metagame defining. Lastly, the deck that I honestly really like to see is Trevenant. It's great to see it's back, even though a lot of people did not care, do not like Trevenant because of its item lock and being, well, somewhat bad for the game in their minds. I honestly like decks that are able to interact in, with the opponent in that way. Now, I've also talked about this in the way that item lock is sort of a lack of interaction from your opponent, but at the same time it's one of the only ways in Pokemon that you get to interact with your opponent. So, I like it from that aspect, but a lot of people just dislike it because it item locks. At the same time, though, where did it come from? There's been so much Zoroark in the metagame that it's amazing to see this guy out again, being able to survive something as oppressive as Zoroark and make a couple of spots even in day two, which really shows how strong item lock is. And having the ability to spread damage so wide so easily is definitely the strength of this deck. And I really wonder how useful Espeon EX is in the deck, given that there's so much spread that I, I wonder if it's worthwhile increasing the accounts of Espeon EX to like maybe two in the deck so you don't have to worry about having a prized Espeon EX. It's also interesting to see only one Wally putting a le less emphasis on being able to get it turn one if you're starting. But at the same time, I don't think this deck is looking to necessarily get the item lock off so readily 
even though it still has a lot of abilities to do so. And I think kind of just looks for having a good amount of draw throughout the game with being able to grab certain disruption cards like enhanced hammers or maybe even grabbing the Getsis to be able to disrupt the opponent. It's also interesting to see one of the decks running three counter catchers and no Lysander as it kind of means that the only time that they planned on using Lysander was if they wanted to get up on cards, which does make sense in a spread deck because if you're ahead, you don't need to switch somebody out. And if you're a behind, you can use counter catcher to make sure your opponent get stuck in the active but even with guzma running around it's it's interesting that people are still using the strategy of trying to get certain pokemon stuck in the active slot so those are just kind of my thoughts on the regional at salt lake city and honestly i think it has a lot of room to show that the expanded metagame really isn't all that stale and there there still is a fair amount of decks worth trying and piloting and the fact that we've also got forbidden light as expansion that's going to be available within just a couple of weeks to be able to shove cards in to certain decks or even make certain decks around in the expanded format. So I'm really looking forward to see what pops out of the expanded metagame as largely I think the standard metagame coming out of Forbidden Light is going to be fairly predictable given that there there was some good cards that were printed and pretty obvious choices and so there's a couple of decks that are definitely going to even pop out new that are going to be good. Thank you all for tuning in to the Pokey TCG cast, and I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be doing a special stream next Monday on May 14th, as well as May 21st and the 28th, starting at 12 p.m. Central Time, where I'll be playing on Pokemon TCGO, running some games, and preparing for the Madison Regional Tournament coming up in June. And with that, I'd love to see you all come out to the stream. I'll be playing some events as well as getting some ladder grinding in as well and getting some real practice in with the deck that I'll be bringing. And so again, I'll be doing that on May 14th, 21st, and 28th at 12 p.m. up until about 6 p.m. Thank you all for listening in on the Poke TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week.